Listen to WGN Radio's newest podcast, Behind the Badge, Illinois, hosted by David Hochberg. Behind the Badge, Illinois, views current events through the eyes of Illinois law enforcement leaders. Tune in. Visit WGNRadio.com slash Behind the Badge. <clears throat> All right. Let's uh, get the instrument in shape. I don't do big warm-ups. A lot of people do warm-ups. And all that stuff. And they say tongue twisters. I don't know. I just go, all right, let's go. (laughs) I even do that when I'm acting. A lot of the actors do a lot of these warm-ups. But I don't know. Just never felt my... Maybe because I'm always talking. My voice doesn't need any warm-up. I I, I wake up every morning talking. (laughs) Oh, what was that? Okay. Anyway, are you ready to go, my friend? Reggie, the producer? Good. Let's do it. Put in the books. Episode number 327. I'll give you the uh, three S's in the countdown, and you give me the music, and uh, we'll do a podcast. How about that? Okay? Ready to go? You all set? We'll see about your, that trigger finger of yours. I don't know if it's still sticking or not when the music comes after I do the intro, but it is what it is, right? We live in a world of technology, so we have to live with the little quirks and bugs and whatever's going on. All right, here we go. Star, smile, strong, three, two, one. Hey, it's Elton Jim Toronto, and this is Captain Podtastic. <laughs> and welcome to another episode of Elton Jim's Captain Podtastic. Every Monday, a new episode is posted at WGNRadio.com or wherever you go to find your favorite podcast. We are there. Where else would we be? Duh. Also, don't forget, if you do go somewhere else to find that podcast, uh, subscribe and rate this podcast. Even more than that. The most important job, aside from listening, which is important, no question, is to get out there and spread the word. So tell your friends. Tell your neighbors. Tell your family. Tell anybody you know who listens to a podcast that your favorite podcast is Elton Jim's Captain Podtastic, and it should be theirs too. That loyalty, that devotion, oh, it's so heartwarming. Also, if you like what you hear, don't forget, go to WGNRadio.com, hit the prompt for the podcast, hit the prompt for this specific podcast, and lo and behold, you will discover hundreds, literally hundreds, of binge-worthy hours of podcasts just ready to entertain your mind and your ears. By last count, there should be 326 in there just waiting for you to enjoy. But for right now, here's a new one to enjoy. Number 327. So, how does my voice sound to you? Yes, I think it sounds clear. I think it sounds uh, strong. Hopefully. I asked the question because uh, a couple of weeks ago, in fact, almost... Two weeks ago, exactly, 
now. I had uh, some minor surgery. <gasps> really? Are you all right, Jim? Yes, I'm fine. I'm fine. But uh, yeah, a little minor surgery. Although, really, what what is minor surgery? I guess there are such things as minor surgery. I mean, uh, I've had wisdom teeth pulled. That is surgery, and it is minor because you are not put out in terms of a serious general anesthesia, anesthesia, if you will, anesthesia. Where did that come from? <laughs> um, so I've had surgical procedures um, it, where, where things have become invasive, if you will, where a small incision had to be made. But most every other time, it's always been a twilight kind of thing. Even a colonoscopy is considered twilight, even though I don't remember anything about it. I remember being knocked out. And even for my wisdom teeth, I, I remember being knocked out, waking up and not knowing. But, uh, but this, um, and well, I shouldn't say that. Uh, back when I was 16, I had a broken nose, and I didn't really know it. And I, and uh, I didn't, it, I, I, I had a little trouble breathing, but it wasn't crazy. I didn't get the black eyes like everybody always talks about. So I didn't really think it was broken. It certainly hurt when it happened, but, uh, but it, it stopped bleeding and, um, and I had a little trouble b- breathing. And so finally uh, we did go to the doctor. They did an x-ray and like, oh yeah, no, that's, that's not only is it broken, but I could probably waited two or three weeks, if not longer, honestly. I was young. I was like 16 years old and it actually started to heal. <laughs> so they had to go back back in and re-break it and and set it. You know, break it and then reset it to straighten it out and make a clear path. So I was out for that. Definitely. In fact, <laughs> you know, the, the doctors when they talk to you about any kind of uh, impending surgery, they you know, the, at least the ones that I have had not, and they're not major, you know, five-hour kind of um, procedures. But once again, I mean, I say minor surgery, but I think whenever you're uh, knocked out, whenever you're, whenever you have given general anesthesia, it's it's more than just minor. I mean, this was a very simple operation, and it wasn't life-threatening in any way both to correct what was being taken out or the surgery itself. So I consider that minor. Uh, but I'm sure that if you talk to a surgeon, it's, it's any surgery where you are put out with general anesthesia uh, is, is major surgery in that, um, you know, you are being, uh, you know, majorly put to sleep here to the point where you need help breathing. If you're having any kind of surgery and they tell you that they're going to put a tube down your throat, that means they are you are they are they are helping you breathe. They are allowing you to breathe. You are so knocked out that you can't even breathe on your own. That's pretty deep. <laughs> and so yeah, so I mean whenever you're not able to breathe on your own again uh, for a while at least uh, you know that's that's fairly serious right we've been hearing about all these uh, people on covid that had to have uh, you know th- serious in serious 
situations because they couldn't breathe on their own, right? And they had to put a tube down their throat. So that was serious enough, and many of those people died. So, uh, yeah, I mean, thankfully, uh, you know, in a surgical situation, you are being monitored closely by several people, and they are, uh, you know, giving you the the desired amounts, and you're being monitored with your blood pressure and your breathing and everything else and your heart rate and your brain um, you know, wavelengths and things like that. So hopefully it's as controlled as can be. But you know, let's face it, for a while there, you know, you, you're kind of at the mercy of machines and people and drugs. So yeah, for a, for, for a good portion, you have surrendered your consciousness. So I don't know, I guess to term anything minor surgery, maybe, maybe, it, maybe minor surgery sounds good to the person who's being operated on. It makes it sound less, uh, <laughs> less dangerous, less risky, because uh, anytime you go into surgery, you're, you're, you're a little apprehensive, right? Even if you have the utmost confidence in the people that are working on you. Um, so yeah, I don't, maybe there really is no such thing as minor surgery, right? But let's, well, I'll take the minor out and say I had surgery done, but thankfully it wasn't a long surgery, maybe two and a half hours, which still is, is long enough time for, for you to be when you're, when you're knocked out and not breathing on your own, right? Two and a half hours is pretty long, but anyway, so, um, hopefully I sound, uh, strong. And the usual, uh, I don't even know, uh, manner, you know, whatever you want to call it. But yeah, I, and, and it's been two weeks since the surgery. Um, but it did take a while to, um, to recover from the, the anesthesia. It wasn't just like, you know, I was in the hospital for about a day and a half or so after the surgery, just to make sure. Thankfully, it was, the, the surgery went very well. Uh, no complications. Uh, I had minimal pain. Didn't have to take any serious narcotic pain-killing drugs. Just took some Tylenol uh, to manage the pain. So that went well. Got out. I was up and walking. Uh, you know, soon afterward, I didn't have any kind of nausea or um, or side effects from the general anesthesia. Thankfully, so. All when all was said and done, considering that I did have surgery, uh, it uh, I really couldn't have asked for a better experience. But it does. But I tell you that general anesthesia uh, more, more than I expected. Uh, it did hit me in terms of fatigue. I, I was uh, more tired than I thought I would be. I, I figured. I figured as soon as you're done with general anesthesia, you, you, once it, it wears off. Uh, you know, you're done with it. But uh, even though it wears off, it, it still sort of lingers. And I wasn't aware that, uh, you know, it, it it's lingering does affect other parts of the body um, for a while. You, you certainly have to, you have to uh, do a lot of uh, breathing exercises because apparently it can shut down some pockets in your lungs. And so as soon as you are awake, uh, you know, they want you to be using this little breathing uh, apparatus that you you breathe in and, and you raise this little thing up, up this tube, and you keep this other thing kind of suspended. Uh, 
this little gauge suspended and you try to I don't know what I don't know what the the measurement is. I know it was from zero to twenty five hundred. I'm not sure what the the twenty five hundred was or is because I'm still actually uh, doing it every so often. Not as much as I was initially. Um, and thankfully, once again, I didn't have any kind of shortness of breath or any problems with that. So I, I'm very uh, fortunate and grateful uh, and thankful to all all the uh, doctors who were overseeing uh, this procedure because uh, I seem to come through it uh, pretty well. And we'll see now what the long-term um, prognosis is afterwards. Um, no, don't worry. It was nothing uh, serious. Uh, it wasn't cancer-related. But I did have uh, something removed, um, not not a not something as usual as you would uh, think that you hear of very often. As I said, I did have general anesthesia, and I had a broken nose back when I was sixteen. But that was so long ago, <laughs> so it's been a long time. So I've been fortunate; I haven't had any other surgeries. Uh, my wife has had quite a few, to be to be honest. She's had uh, at least four or five for knee surgery and she had a growth in her foot that needed to be removed and she had a gallbladder operation and she had a few other things and um so she's she's gone under the knife quite a bit i've been fortunate as i said to you i've had fairly good um health for most of my life and uh, now as you get old i think as you get older it's almost inevitable that something's going to happen right these uh these organs just, you know, they start to, they get, they age, <laughs> you know, you put some living on them. Um, but I actually had a, 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 a part of the body that you don't hear about very often being removed. I had an adrenal gland removed. And, uh, you know, this is a small little triangular gland that, uh, that sits on top of your kidneys and uh, its main job is to uh, is to manufacture and uh, and release uh, certain hormones into your body, which are which are helpful in how you deal with stress and adrenaline and uh, metabolism and and other key things. So these little these small little glands, and thankfully thankfully we have two of them, sit on top of your lungs, and they. Uh, you don't hear about your adrenal glands all that often, but they do perform uh, a very important function, as is, as does most everything in the body. Now, thankfully, we have two of them, as my surgeon said. Uh, uh, we 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 are we are um, we are equipped with some spare parts. <laughs> you have two kidneys, right? Uh, you you have two adrenal glands. You have two lungs, right? So we do have some spare parts, thankfully. And the adrenal gland is glands are something that you can live a normal life with only one. If you have a, 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 a normally functioning one, it will take over and uh, compensate for the loss of the other one. And we'll, and like I said, it, it, it's relatively new here. I might have to take some supplements or something as time goes on. I don't know. Um, but ultimately what happened... Um, I had gone in for, this is about five years ago, I went in uh, for a CT scan of my abdominal area, and they weren't looking at my adrenal gland at all. They were looking at my general abdominal area, 
And in the process of taking this picture, and this is the way a lot of things happen many times, is that when they're, when they're looking for something, they find something else as some ancillary thing. So I remember getting the phone call about my CT scan results, and they said, well, your kidneys look fine. Whatever, there, whatever question there was, uh, the, the CT scan uh, you know, refuted that. And they said, so your kidneys look fine. Uh, you know, you've got, there, there's, you know, and I mean, you know, the CT scan takes, a, you know, they don't aim it right at one spot. It's kind of go, it takes a general area. So well, if you're taking a picture of the kidneys, as I said before, the adrenal glands sit on top of the kidney. So can't help but getting in the picture. And they took pictures of both of my kidneys. And so they noticed, they said, you know, well, your left kidney or your left uh, adrenal gland uh, seems to have a growth on it. But uh, based on the picture, it, it, it looks like it's benign, uh, but it is there. So we'll just have to keep a, a look on it. We'll have to keep a, an eye on it. We'll take some, you know, we'll, we'll take some pictures of it over a couple of years just to make sure it, it, it looks like it's a benign growth. There's nothing to get worried about. It's not cancerous or anything. Uh, but there is a growth there, and we'll just keep an eye on it to make sure it doesn't grow and make sure that everything, you know. Okay, fine. To the point where I, 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 I it, was, it, was, it was explained to me in such a casual way that I didn't even remember it. You know, I didn't even remember that I had this growth because it really wasn't, uh, conveyed to me that there was uh, anything else you needed to do about it. It was there, and that's fine. And, um, you know, as long as it's not cancerous, don't worry about it. And uh, we'll just, you know, we'll keep tabs on it just to make sure it stays that way. Okay, fine. So flash forward about five years, you know, four years or so. Last summer, uh, I got a new doctor, and... Uh, my files of the last 10 years or so were um, were transferred to her. And I really have to say that I'm very impressed that rather than just um, making a cursory look at this information, she, um, she obviously gave it a, a close look. And kudos to her for, for actually putting the time in and doing the job, right? I didn't, I didn't say to her, I, even when I went to her the first time, I didn't say, oh, and by the way, you know, I have a, a growth in my adrenal gland. She went through all the information and, and the files, you know, were, were, were pretty thick. And, uh, and she emailed me and she said, uh, you know, about a week or a week and a half or so after I, I met with her the first time. And she said, uh, you know, you, uh, you had a growth on your uh, adrenal gland according to the CT scan that you took in 2017. And I do have high blood pressure, and I have been taking um, medication for high blood pressure for, for, you know, for several years now. My parents both had high blood pressure, hypertension, so obviously it's hereditary. Um, and so I've been taking uh, a few medications for it, and it's under control, and, uh, and that's fine. But still, you know, uh, high blood pressure is, is certainly something that you need to keep tabs on. And it's a pain in the butt taking, you know, pills every day. And it could have long-term, uh, you know, effects. 
not only the blood pressure has can have long-term effects, but also taking blood pressure pills over a long period of time can ultimately have an effect on your body. I mean, that's the, that's the difficult thing about, uh, you know, taking pills. We, we take pills to cure or treat uh, a specific ailment, and those pills work for that ailment. But in most cases, as we see on television, whenever they do these commercials now for these these drugs that are there to uh, to help, you know, these other drugs that they tell you, ask your doctor about this, you know. And then they, they, they rattle off the side effects that the this drug can also have. And you hear those side effects, and many times they're... They're two minutes long, and many times these side effects are worse than the actual ailment that they're that the pill is aimed to treat. <laughs> but for legal reasons, they certainly have to tell you why. And I get that. But as I said, you know, so we're a lot of times we take these pills. Oh, take a pill. Ah, oh, take a pill. Well, that's fine, and it, and it will. Those pills will work. They've been tested, and they and they do work. But they also do take a toll on other organs of your body, especially if you've taken them over a long period of time. With time, they, they can do damage or at least affect other organs or other parts of your body. And so certainly the goal is to not have to take any medications or as few medications as possible, right? So this way there aren't any of these ancillary things that may crop up. Once you are um, introducing this this foreign thing to the body, right? No doubt, it's good to have some medications that help you treat a problem. But at the same time, you should be aware that there are also side effects that could, could occur, and maybe not in the short term, but over a long period of time. So my doctor said, uh, you know, this growth on your adrenal gland, and the other adrenal gland was clear, nothing on the, on the right one. She said, but you know, this, uh, this growth on the adrenal gland could be affecting how it is working. And one result of the adrenal gland not working properly is a condition called hyperaldosteronism, meaning that the adrenal gland is releasing, as I said before, uh, some, uh, you know, it releases different hormones to help us deal with different things, stress, as I said, stress and blood pressure and metabolism and other things like that. So the adrenal glands are, are important glands, even though they might be small and they don't, get as, they don't have as good as PR as some other glands in the body do <laughs> or other organs in the body do. But uh, most, of, most of the things that are there do have a purpose. And she said, so, you know, um, we've been treating your high blood pressure and, and you know, it's, it, your weight is under control and, and other things in your diet. And, 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 and so, uh, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's kind of a mystery as to why your blood pressure is still high. And, and you know, aside from the hereditary issues. And she said, you know, this hyperaldosteronism, if, if, if your, if your, adrenal gland is um, is releasing an elevated amount of aldosterone into your system if this growth is for is is making your adrenal gland malfunction and pumping out too much aldosterone uh, 
That is a could be a contributing factor as to why your blood pressure is high. And so maybe we want to take some tests to see if you have this condition called hyperaldosteronism. And if that's the case, and if you do have a high level of aldosterone in your system, it's most likely contributing at least to some extent. It may not be completely causing it, but it may be contributing to your high blood pressure. And uh, considering that um, we have two adrenal glands and we can live with one adrenal gland, and it seems as your right adrenal gland seems to be in, in fine shape and working well. Um, if, you, if, you, if this growth is indeed, even though it's benign, if this, if this growth is indeed impairing how your adrenal gland is working and pumping out tumult aldosterone, um, rather than just treating your high blood pressure with medication, which is fine, but as I said to you before, taking... Any kind of medication, you do run risks over the long haul, uh, over 10, 15, 20, 30 years, of doing some potentially other damage to other organs because of the medication. It's curing, it's it's keeping your blood pressure in check, but it's also taking a toll perhaps uh, and doing some damage. It could do, no no guarantees, but it maybe could be doing some damage to you. Uh, your organs over the long haul if you take blood pressure medications for 30 or 40 or 50 years. And so the question is, um, you know, do you want to just keep treating the problem? Even if you have this hyperaldosteronism, it was uh, explained to me, it can be treated with other medications or it can be um, solved with removing the adrenal gland, uh, removing the problem. So if your body, if, if your adrenal gland is malfunctioning and it is pumping out too much aldosterone, um, yes, we can treat it, but then you may also be getting other ancillary side effects from yet another um, medication. We're already treating your high blood pressure. Now we're going to be adding some more medication to treat your, uh, your hyperaldosteronism if you have it. So another, if you do have it, um, another option is to surgically remove the source of the problem. You can live on one adrenal gland, but you can take out this malfunctioning one. And if it is indeed pumping out too much aldosterone that's causing your blood pressure to be high, um, we would be solving the problem in some extent, or at least addressing the problem, as opposed to simply treating it. And they said to me that, um, you know, given that I'm, I'm relatively young, um, if, I was, if I was 10 or 15 years older, they probably wouldn't even have suggested I have the surgery um, because I might not really, uh, you know, experience a long-term advantage of not having to take medication for that many years. But since I'm relatively young, they said, you know, you, you know, you, if you're cut down on your on on taking the blood pressure medication and not taking any aldosterone medication, um, you know you you can certainly lower your risk for any potential problems that those kind of medications may contribute to as the years go on. You know, cardiac problems and uh, and other things. You know, kidney problems. Kidneys they do get a, a workout. You know, everything goes through those kidneys. 
So, uh, you know, you certainly want to keep your kidneys in good shape, too. So, um, but first things first, let's see if you have this hyperaldosteronism. And then after that, we can decide what to do if you indeed have it. Uh, Do you want to treat it with medication or do you want to remove it? Uh, But that's down the road. So last year, I had a battery of tests. Oh, my gosh. I had a battery of tests. Different. I had different pictures taken, and I had different blood tests taken. I was poked and jabbed, and I had one test where I was, uh, I was, you know, in a in a uh, an outpatient facility, comfortable in a bed, you know, but I was basically just had an IV on me, and. For eight hours, seven and a half, eight hours, I just sat there while they pumped in saline into me for eight hours. And the idea was to see how my body was reacting to this much water intake. Was my blood pressure uh, going up? Was my body adjusting to it? Were the hormones that control your blood pressure working correctly when all this sustained input was uh, was coming in and then um i did i said i had several blood tests i had uh ct scans i had uh i think i may have had an mri i had a lot of things done last summer and every <laughs> of course in my situation right Every test that came back showed an elevated level of aldosterone, but nothing off the charts, right? Not like crazy, but certainly above normal and significantly above normal. Not just a tad above normal, but not, you know, over the top as well. So right in that gray area, which of course was not going to make the decision for me whether to treat it medically or to have it removed, wasn't going to really make that decision very simple. Now, as I said before, we, we nobody wants to go into surgery, right? It's easier to take a pill than it is to go into surgery and have something removed. So certainly... Most people, you know, if if given the opportunity or the option to have something treated or something surgically removed, most people would probably choose the medication. But at the same time, uh, removing the adrenal gland is a much more proactive kind of thing to, yes, it's more painful and there's more you know, the whole, the whole surgical situation, you know, post-surgery and pre-surgery uh, is much more taxing and, and, you know, scary, whatever you want to call it. Uh, but it also may have long-term benefits, as I said before, as opposed to just simply treating it with medication and ultimately perhaps, you know, contributing to other things somewhere down the line. But the fact that this, that my aldosterone levels uh, were not... You know, these results from all these different tests were not coming back like, oh, no brainer. Wow. This you have, you know, this, this, you know, there was certainly an elevated level of aldosterone, 
which could be contributing to my high blood pressure. But it wasn't a slam dunk, which, like I said, then, of course, is now going to add to the decision-making because it's not a, it's not a no-brainer, right? It's right in that gray area there. It's like it's higher than it should be, so there could be there is cause for concern, but it's not five times as much or ten times as much where you say, oh, my gosh, you, know, you don't even have a choice. We have to get this thing out of you. It's life-threatening. So there's one final test. I took a battery of tests, blood tests and, and uh, you know, CT scans and other pictures and this, uh, this saline being pumped into me. And everything came back showing, yes, you know, it's, it's elevated. It was, an, it, 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 was, it was elevated enough to say we should continue to take some tests. And within the world of endocrinology, once again, a new word that I didn't even know existed. And those of you who have had any thyroid problems, you've probably gone to an endocrinologist. Well, suddenly I had to go to an endocrinologist, and that's the doctor who was um, prescribing and analyzing and, and diagnosing the, um, the results of all these different tests on my adrenal gland. So, um, you know, now I had an endocrinologist <laughs> added to the list <laughs> of doctors, right? Because once again, you, you hang around long enough. So, um, so the endocrinologist was very methodical and, and you know, very transparent upfront here's the situation i would you know these tests are coming back they're showing heightened levels um they're not over the top levels but to really be sure you know if these other tests had shown nothing or low levels they would have stopped but every test i came back they were more than normal more enough than normal to try to narrow this down and get a better view of it, uh, where it, but it not crazy. Like, oh, my gosh, yeah, we took one test, and there's no question. You've got this hyperaldosteronism, and yet, you know, that adrenal gland is, is, is going crazy. Uh, it wasn't, clearly, it wasn't completely out of whack, but it wasn't, it was malfunctioning to some extent. So finally, there was this one last test. And all the other tests, aside from an IV pumping the saline into you, which, you know, after they get the, the, you know, the needle in, it's, you're just sort of sitting there. And these other things were all blood tests and pictures. So it wasn't that a big deal. But this final test, this, was, this test is like the test to determine how the adrenal gland is performing and what it is literally pumping out and taking in. And this test was invasive. And so I did have to think about this one. Because once again, I, I probably had enough, they had enough um, information before this final ultimate test, which would give them the true reading more than the pictures, more than the blood tests, and even more than this other, the saline test. But it was invasive because what they were actually going to do was go in and 
go into the adrenal gland itself to the vein, you know, and see and measure the amount of aldosterone that was coming, you know, right out of the gland. Because, you know, you take a blood test and it will certainly show levels of different things. But don't forget, you know, it's kind of a snapshot and, you know, the, the blood is going throughout your whole body. So there's a chance that the, the true level of something is a little diluted as the, as the blood is flowing through your body. So after it's captured in a certain point, and it's certainly from your arm, a, a good distance away from the actual gland, you can get an idea whether it's normal, normal or low or high, but the actual uh, exact amount you really can't get from that. And so while all my tests were showing elevated levels that were not crazy but not normal um they said there's this one last test that will really tell us because we're going to go in they're going to make a little incision into your you know your upper thigh you know that you've heard that before right that's where they always go in with they do an angioplasty you know when they try to you know check out how your arteries and veins are doing for your heart and this is the same kind of concept they they would make a little in uh in you know incision in the thigh upper thigh and then they would go through with a wire and get to your adrenal gland and then actually take a, a sample a blood sample a sample out of the of the vein of the adrenal gland so you're going right to the source to see what is the the level here of uh, aldosterone coming in and out of this gland so that's the ultimate test so i did talk to a the surgeon who was going to do that and as i said i was i was awake for that it was a twilight but i was awake i remember that i was i, 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 was, I was watching it actually because it wasn't a major once again major and minor surgery I would say anything where you're knocked out and you have a breathing tube, that's that's major surgery, right? But anyway, so, um, you know, the idea of being invasive wasn't the most uh, appealing part of this because, you know, once again, you know, the, the, throughout this entire process, uh, there's still on the table an acceptable non-surgical option of just taking pills but once again you know there's this potential long term and 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 who knows how i would react to these other pills along with the other things i was taking so you know but still i could have stopped it at one point just said you know what it seems like the endosterone level is is elevated even some extent so let's just start taking some pills for that and 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 stop with this but um, I felt that I would like to find out what's really going on, and I would like to, you know, and, 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 and if it was a question of addressing the problem or simply treating it with medication, um, I felt like I would, you know, I, 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 would, I hope that I've got, you know, 35 or 40 more years left 
And so if, if and if in high blood pressure, which I know runs in my family, um, you know, if I can, if I can do something proactively for all I know, you know, my parents both had it. Everybody's, Oh, you know, your parents had high blood. You know, I knew it, but they were taking pills for it for as long as I can remember. So, Oh, it's heredity. You have high blood pressure. But for all I know, like, look at the way they discovered this in me by accident that I had these, this growth. And it actually turned out when they took a, a, a more, they took a new pictures of my adrenal gland. Now I had that a, a initial test five years, four years ago when I took more pictures of it. Now it turned out I had two growths. They weren't very big and they were both benign, but I had two growths. So, you know, um, Something was going on. I had no pain. I had no clue they were even there. For, for, for all I know, they all, I always had two. And maybe this other one was hidden because they weren't taking you know, the second time. They took a more specific picture of the adrenal gland. That first time, they were just taking an overview of the entire area. So I don't know where that second growth was. Maybe it was hidden. It was on the other side. So this picture didn't, didn't capture it. Only the the they that overall picture from 2017 saw one of them. Maybe I always had two. It was just not visible from that first picture, and because it really wasn't um, considered dangerous, it, uh, nothing more was done. But when they took a specific picture now, four years later, to see and and get a better look at the adrenal gland, there actually were two growths. So maybe I always had two. Maybe over the last four years, another one happened. And maybe that's what's contributed to my blood pressure going up and staying up. Who knows? So anyway, something was going on with my adrenal gland, right? So I felt like, you know, uh, you know, you don't want these things, you know, if, if, if that gland was susceptible to growths, then, you know, who knows? So... If it's not working, and it might be vulnerable to something more serious, thankfully these two growths were benign, but who knows, right? Then maybe it is best to get rid of it. So I, I certainly had kept the removal on the table, even though it was more uh, more of a drastic decision than just simply taking a pill. I was I was I wanted to consider that because I, I felt like at this point in my life and in my age, since that was mentioned to me that. Um, I would be able to, um, you know, experience benefit from that if it was removed um, and possibly get off some of the blood pressure medication and then not have to take additional aldosterone medication, which I would be. So I'd be taking ultimately less medication, which I said at the beginning of this whole thing is better. You certainly want to take the least amount of medications than you can, right? Just to, so your body isn't reacting to outside stimuli um so i always i so i said I, so I, I i got i i did have a consultation with the with the doctor that would do this this i think it was an av something i can't remember anymore adrenal veins avs or something adrenal vein sample or something i think that wasn't the, the uh, it was only took about a half hour and it was outpatient. I went home, um, and it wasn't painful at all. I had a little, you know, incision, very small on my thigh that I didn't even know was there. Went away before I even knew it. And so, 
<laughs> but this was going to be the test. Now, we took all these other tests over four or five months and you know, all this poking and jabbing and picturing and you name it. And, you know, okay, I promise this is the last one, right? This one's going to really tell us. I'm like, okay, we've gone this far. We might as well keep going. And uh <laughs> So they take the test. It went well. Wow, we got great samples. Everything was fine, fantastic, great, no complications. And so I go to the endocrinologist who's you know overseeing all these tests. And uh, I could, as soon as I walked in, I could tell the way she, you know, she had the results. I could tell by the way she was talking, her demeanor, that there once again was not a definitive answer. <laughs> you know, and I said, I knew it, you know, because like I said, I would like to have, you know, taking all these tests, I was hoping that whether it was positive or negative, oh my gosh, yes, it's high, you need to do this. Or no, it's low, we don't need to do anything. I'd like a yes or no answer. And every test was coming back with gray results, right in the middle. Well, but however, but you know that the. Uh, so now here was the the absolute test, right? This is the one that's going to tell us all. These other ones have been showing us, yeah, it's a little over, but it's not crazy. But we don't know. Uh, but this one, we're going inside your body. We're going right to the source and ask the horse, and it will give you the answer that you endorse. Right? We're going to go right there and test. The your aldosterone level of when it's coming out of that damn gland of yours. But I could tell as soon as I sat down that this test was not going to give me that that real nice, clean yes or no answer. That it was going to force me to make a, an informed decision, but not a decision that's a no-brainer. One way or the other, right? And I could tell. So just by the way she was approaching it, and she was, you know, very good doctor, very nice, explains everything, you know, puts all the options out there. I'm very, very happy with with the way that all went. And I and I had been to her enough times where I could start to read her a little. Everybody has a tell, right? And so I could just tell that. Once again, my results were going to be in that gray area, which you have been trying with all these other tests to get past the gray area and get into a yes or no kind of area, a very definitive area. And she said, well, she said, you know, um, according to this test, and I don't know what this measurements are, but she said, according to this test, if, you know, if, if your level of aldosterone is above is four or above then we would recommend that you remove the adrenal gland because it is malfunctioning and it it really is not it it, it needs to be taken out it could be doing it could do some damage to you in the long term because it's not functioning correctly and it, it it's you know so, so that would be a definitive. If it's over, if it's four or above, we would say, you know what, you know, 
Yes, you could treat it, but we would suggest you take it out. If it's below four, then that's your decision. Depending on how below four it is, um, you know, if it's one or two, it's like, you know what? It's it's malfunctioning. It's sending out a little aldosterone, not, not a crazy amount. So we can probably treat this with medication and you don't need to go through the surgery. So... You know, so if someone says to you four is the high point, right, then obviously two is the midpoint. And anything above two and and below three is that gray area. Or I'm sorry, is above two and below four is that gray area, right? That area that I've been trying to to get past to eliminate that gray area, taking all these tests and finally this invasive test to eliminate that gray area and find out a true, uh, you know, diagnosis that says, yes, it's high or no, it's not. So she said, you know, um, four is, is the threshold where we would, we would recommend removal. And I looked at her. And you know, and I have a nice relationship with her, so I, I can joke with her. But I looked at her and I said, "And so mine's three, right?" And she kind of smiled and she said, "Yeah, it's three point three. <laughs> so once again, in the gray area, not low, but not over the top, right in that gray area. So much so. That even the doctor, even this endocrinologist said, you know, this could go either way. In fact, since you are below four on this scale of aldosterone levels, whatever four means, since you're below four, she said, "Um, I don't even know if a surgeon would... Um, believe that you should take it out, you know, because four is the threshold. And so I would suggest before you make any decisions, whether to treat it medically or to have it surgically removed, I would suggest that you meet with the surgeon. And I will give him all of your test results and pictures and everything we've done over the last several months and and I would consult with him because he may just say no you know what it's not it's not malfunctioning enough for me to recommend that you do something uh, you know as drastic because surgery is drastic you know it's invasive you're removing something so she said I before we make any decisions here um, I I suggest that you consult with the surgeon because he may not even um, recommend that you do the surgery, which then takes it off the table, and we will then be we will you, you know you you know you're looking for that definitive answer. He may give us that, even though these these tests aren't definitive. You're right in that gray area with his experience on uh, of of adrenal functioning and surgery. He may say no if it's not over four. I I I don't re- recommend you do it, even though it's close. It's three point three. It's not two, it's not one, it's 3.3. It's closer to four than it is 
to two, right? But she said he may not say unless it, he may, he might say unless it reaches this four threshold, uh, I would not remove it. All right, so now we have to go to another doctor. And another, you know, I mean, they're not going to have a test or anything. Maybe another blood test. I'm not sure what it was. So I go to see him, and um, he's done, you know, he's done many of these surgeries. He's very familiar with it, and uh, he saw the pictures. He showed me the pictures. He showed me my adrenal gland with the two growths on it. And uh, he said that even though it wasn't four, it was still high enough where he believed that that it, that that level is impacting my blood pressure and that he did believe that uh, by taking it out I would experience a positive result on my blood pressure because this adrenal gland and because we have two and the other one is working fine for instance just as a as a, an example because they they took they took samples from both of my adrenal glands just to make sure how, to see how they were both working because if they were both kind of in the middle they wouldn't have they they wouldn't have taken them both out they would have then said okay look they're both kind of off here and you have hyperaldosteronism because one is is high but even the other one is even kind of but it wasn't my other one is is working perfectly and so um to the point where as i said from zero to four is uh, on this aldosterone scale. My left one was pumping out 3.3, whatever that means. My right one measured 0.3, right? I mean, so my left one was pumping out three times more aldosterone than is normal and three times as much as my right one was, which is normal. So clearly it wasn't working, and clearly uh, this surgeon said, yeah, it, that may, you might not have reached the four level, but you're close enough to it that I believe that um, you know, it's got a couple of growths on it to begin with, um, even though they're benign. Um, and, uh, but I believe that you will experience a, uh, a positive overall result an impact and influence on your blood pressure if it is removed. So he recommended surgically removing the adrenal gland in order to um, to get the benefit and and directly address the hyperaldosteronism um, condition rather than treat it with medication. So uh, I talked it over with. And I actually had another a, a doctor friend uh, explain the situation, and 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 that doctor, a, 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 you know, like a second opinion, not officially one, but I gave this doctor enough of the the key information, and they said, no, that that sounds like a reasonable, you know, decision. And my general practitioner agreed with it, and the endocrinologist agreed with it, and obviously the surgeon did too. And I talked it over with my wife and stuff. And so, uh, and as I said, I, I'm somebody, as you know, if you listen to me long enough, you know I like to solve problems. And so, to me, I was solving this problem as opposed to just kind of treating it. So, uh, 
we decided to have the surgery. I had it a couple of weeks ago. Everything went well, no complications, very little pain. Didn't have to take any hard narcotics, just some Tylenol for some pain. Uh, was walking around. Uh, breathing has been fine. Uh, you know, my intestinal tract was a little funky for a while. Didn't go for a while, if you know what I mean. Didn't have a BM, as we say in the business, for a while. But uh, moving around and taking some some laxatives to help that get things moving around. Now, interestingly, uh, I I had no, you know, what's so funny about when you have surgery, you know, they tell you enough, but they don't tell you everything. <laughs> For you little leaguers out there, uh, this is my only tip. I can't be more happy at this point with the way this t- worked out. There were no complications during the surgery, post-surgery, my healing has gone very well. My pain has been minimal. Uh, I only took, you know, painkillers for about a day or so and Tylenol. So I wasn't taking any opiates or any, you know, narcotic kind of things. Um, I've got three little scars. It was done ap- laparoscopically. It was removed. So I just have three little scars on sort of the, my left side, more to my side rather than the middle of my of my stomach. More to the side, they're very small. They haven't been painful. Um, I have my appetite. Everything, you know, I'm 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 slowly getting back into a routine. There's some things I can't do for a while, like lift heavy objects or work out vigorously or things like that. But I can't. I mean, considering I had surgery and all that that implies and all that that entails, and I had something removed, no internal bleeding, everything healing well. So I can't really complain at all. Um, I got out of the hospital within a day and a half. You know, no problems. Pain was under control. A little uncomfort, you know, discomfort and a little tender uh, initially, but the soreness has gone away. Um, so I'm, I'm certainly on a, a, a road to recovery as best as I could imagine. And the doctors have been very happy with the way everything has gone. So they're happy and I'm happy. So hopefully... It'll take a while, apparently, for the body to adjust to the uh, the 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 removal of the adrenal gland. So I don't really, at this point, have a a clear uh, example yet of the impact or the influence that it, uh, that it's going to have on my blood pressure. But within uh, you know another month, two or three weeks, we'll get a better idea. I take my blood pressure daily, and we'll get a better idea as to uh, how the blood pressure is is um reading and and what's going on in my body now uh without that aldosterone without the adrenal gland and uh, and then hopefully my medications will be adjusted and maybe hopefully I'll be even removed from one or two of uh of some of the the blood pressure pills that I take so that's the long term goal but I will say this for you little leaguers out there you you doctors to be um you know, I understand. Look, as I said to you before, surgery is not is, is is not a fun thing. You know, most people. You know, it's it's a scary thing, right? You know, you're you're once again, it's like when you get on a plane. You know, you 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 you're sort of handing off your safety to someone else, and you have trust in them, and you trust that they are well trained and they know what they're doing. Uh, but you are putting your trust 
and your safety in their hands. And there's only and you can and there's only so much you could do. And then you just have to you have to give them that trust. And I'm in my situation, I'm I, I clearly had a a good group of professionals who knew what they were doing because everything worked out. Just like when you get on a plane and it lands and you go, Hey, nice job, Mr. Pilot. All those years of training, all those tests, all those licensings that you've taken, you know, I, I for four hours I was in your hands. And you got me to my destination safely, and and so thank you. It's the same way here. But you know, there are a lot of aspects of a of any surgery that we don't always know about. They, and I think they tell us because they don't want to scare people. They don't want to add any more apprehension to the situation. Um, and they certainly want to to give you the uh, you know make it feel like you're you know you're 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 making the right decision. They don't want to add too many layers of potential problems. But if you've ever seen a lot of uh, surgeries, and now on YouTube you can almost see anything, which is kind of scary, uh, there's a lot that goes on in that in that operating room. You know, They'll explain this. Oh, well, we go in and we, you know, when they explain this to me. Oh, yeah, you know, we do this laparoscopically, so there's no big uh, incision. They tell you all the positives. So you're just going to have three little scars, and we go in with this thing, and we we have to move some of your organs, we have to move your spleen and your pancreas over to get a, a you know a good angle, and then we go in with the uh, you know, and we 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 clip it and we laparoscopically remove it, and done. And it's not very uh, it's not an involved operation. It takes about two or three hours, uh, and it's it's not complicated. Uh, you know, blah blah blah. There are certain risks, of course, with any surgery. But you know, this is in terms of surgical procedures. This one is relatively safe, relatively easy, and you know, done it a million times, type of thing. And and so, you know, if you have to have surgery, this isn't a bad one to have, right? That was kind of the way it was uh you know presented to me which once again calmed me allowed me to make a in my mind a, a an informed decision yes a little scared a little apprehensive you're going into surgery but at the same time uh relatively you know but confident that this wasn't going to be some major surgical thing that was going to be very dangerous and ultimately as i said before it would have some would, you know the the surgery would outweigh or i mean the the benefits i would have in the long term would outweigh whatever kind of surgical post op uh implications you know discomfort healing you know pain hopefully that goes away and the long term benefits to my blood pressure and ultimately my overall health from you know trying to you know prevent any kind of cardiac situations or strokes or things like that. So that's what I'm weighing. But I think we all know, even if you watch things on television, that uh, a lot goes into a surgery. And so I understand that you don't, if you're a doctor, you don't want to tell the patient how you make the sausage, I understand that, right? Because there's a lot that goes on 
And if somebody, if they were to tell us everything that we, then no one would have surgery, and we, and then people would, 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 would be, you know, passing up situations to really do something positive for their health, whether it was fatal or not, because they'd hear all this stuff that's going to go on within the procedure. But every surgical procedure seems to be a lot more complicated, and in, 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 in not so much the actual surgery, but the preparation in order to perform the surgery. So like they said, they told me, you will have a breathing tube. Okay, I knew that. They said, um, you know, we're going to have, you've got an IV in one hand. Um, They may, during the surgery, you won't feel it, you'll be out. Uh, But you may have another, uh, they may put another IV in, in case they need to, you know, give you something else during the procedure you know that, that that IV will be already ready, so you may wake up and find another IV on your other hand. Okay, fine. Um, but then you know, and oh, you know, you're gonna, you know, they're gonna, they're gonna be putting the, you know, the whatever knockout within your IV and blah blah blah. Well, that's fine. But then when I was in there, all of a sudden they told me, well, we're gonna give you a nerve shot. That's going to. Um, you know, in the low in your back, that's going to help. Uh, you know, with the the numbing in that area. Okay, that's fine. You didn't. I didn't remember being told that. And they said the shot might hurt a little. It's in your back. Whatever. Okay. Hey, I get. I get. I get an injection. I think I've already told you this. I get an injection in my eye every two months. So a shot in the back. You know, it's not like it's going to be some big, it's not like a spinal tap kind of a injection. So they gave me that shot, and it was no big deal. But once again, I was, oh, really? Okay, fine. Well, after the surgery, I found out later that during the surgery, I had a catheter, which I wasn't aware that I was going to have. No one told me that. Because after the surgery, I was having some trouble urinating, and I couldn't understand. And I couldn't understand why. And they said, "Oh, well, you had a catheter." Oh, I didn't know that. It was it was out by the time I recovered in the recovery room. So that was something that they did, which I wasn't aware of. I, when I woke up, yes, in fact, I did have another IV on my other hand, which I didn't have going in when I was knocked out with the general anesthesia. Um, then. I was having, um, you know, I was, like I said, I, you know, I was having some, a little abdominal discomfort. And I was explaining that to the nurse and she gave me some Tylenol. She said, well, you know, uh, they put gas in your stomach to blow up the area in order to give them some room to see with the camera which they're inserting with the laparoscopic surgery. You know, this is all done through a camera. There's no big incision. They're not opening you up and looking at it. So, the, so they said, you know, in order to do that, they, blow, they, they actually add some gas to your stomach and uh, to, to elevate the area a little so they could see better. And so that's why, you know, your stomach may feel a little, a little sore because they, they literally blew your stomach up. So you might have you might feel bloated and have some gas in you, which you're going to have to pass because 
they blew your stomach up so they, can, so they can move around and get a better look at to where they're going and what they're doing. Well, I didn't know that. Now, once again, you have a little bloated feeling isn't bad, but I didn't know they were going to blow gas in my stomach and actually blow my stomach up. <laughs> so, you know, I'm in the recovery room and I, I feel okay, you know, and I finally get to a room and I'm feeling okay. They, they've given me Tylenol. Because the pain isn't crazy. I didn't, I didn't really have a lot of pain even where the incisions were. I'm sure the, the anesthesia and the numbing things were still working. And so the next day, in the, early, in the late morning, I had this shooting pain in my shoulder. And it was really intense. And, of course, it was my left shoulder, right? So you always hear these stories about having a heart attack, right? Your left shoulder hurts, your chest you know, first signs of a heart attack. Well, I'm just laying there, minding my own business, watching television, not feeling any pain, a little drowsy, you know, still a little tired from the anesthesia, but not in any kind of dire pain, hadn't been. But all of a sudden, I am getting this, this crazy pain in my shoulder, especially in, right in between my shoulder blades. Oh, my God. So I called the nurse and I said, I thought I was having a heart attack. I didn't know what the hell this was. I mean, I got operated on, you know, the lower part of my body on my left side. But why is my shoulder way at the top here hurting? And I, so I called. I said, well, I said, I'm having a major pain here in my shoulder. I, you know, it, is this? And she said, oh, uh, don't worry. That's, that's, um, that's normal. She said, in fact, um, it's a byproduct of the fact that when they when they blew the you know they put the gas in you and they elevated and blew up your stomach, it affected you know your diaphragm stretched. And this is how amazing the body is. So apparently your diaphragm has all these nerves in it, and these nerves go up through your body, through your shoulders, and connect to your spinal cord. And so because you, you're, you, you were expanded, your diaphragm was expanded with this gas, there's some ancillary pain as your, as your diaphragm is reacting to that, having been stretched. And so you're getting, even though it happened in your stomach, you get a delay, you get a, like a, a, a pain in your shoulder from that. <laughs> well, who knew that? I didn't know I was getting gas in my stomach, and I certainly didn't know that, that a possible pain would be a shoulder pain, and especially on my left side, so I'm thinking I'm having a heart attack. So for your little leaguers out there, for your doctors-to-be, I know that you don't have to tell me everything that is going to happen. Because like I thought, well, maybe my shoulder is hurting, because then all of a sudden my right shoulder started to hurt too in the same spot. So I'm thinking, well, maybe the... the uh, you know, the painkillers that I took for the surgery, the anesthesia is wearing off now. And if I'm, you know, if they had to do these, these incisions on my left side, they had to get my arms out of the way, right? So I'm thinking, well, I'm on the operating table. Perhaps my arms were above my head for two hours. Because if they were, that would be exactly where these pain, my, my shoulders would have been bent. And this is exactly where those pain, the pain I'm, I'm feeling in my shoulders would be. So I asked, I said, were my, were my hands, like, were my arms over my head? 
and that's why my shoulders hurt? And she said, no, 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 this has nothing to do with that. In fact, your shoulders and your arms, you were on your right side because they're taking out my left adrenal gland. You're, you, you were on your right side and your arms were straight out, sort of like Superman when he flies. So your, your shoulders were not bent in any way. Your arms were straight out in front of you. But no, that pain in your shoulder that you're feeling, we'll give you some, and if it gets bad, we'll give you some stronger medication. Uh, but, um, but that is a result of the gas that they had to pump in your stomach in order to get a better look. So as I said before, I wasn't aware of the gas being pumped, and I wasn't aware of the possible shoulder pain. Now, I understand you don't want to tell someone everything that's going to go on in an operating room, but I don't think that it would have been wrong to say, we're going, just so you know, you're going to feel a little bloated when you get done because we're going to have to pump some gas in your stomach. Okay. And just so you know, some people get it, some people don't, um, but you may get a shoulder pain. And that's normal. And if you get that, just call for some pain medication and it'll go away. But, you know, that's, that's what that is. Because I didn't know what the heck it was. So I don't think that that would have been too out of my expectations to just put it that way. You don't have to tell me. Now, here's the other side of the coin. That was a real intense pain. It may have been the worst pain I've ever had, to be honest with you. I was talking to a nurse who was a part of the doctor's team afterwards in a follow-up exam, and I was explaining the pain I had in my shoulders, and she said that she had had laparoscopic surgery. And they had to do the same thing. And she said she had that same pain in her shoulders. And she said she had a child. And that pain in her shoulder was worse than childbirth. So I'm not exaggerating this. And I think that if you're going to experience a potential, maybe you don't get it. Some people don't get it. But if there's a potential to have a pain that's unexplained, that's far away from where your surgery is, and it's going to be pretty intense, a pain that could be at least, at the very least, compared to childbirth pain, as this nurse told me. I wouldn't have any experience in that. I think I should at least get a heads up on that one. And it could be put in a way that's not threatening. It's not, it's not, it's not going to impose any fear. But just to say, just so you know, uh, you might be a little bloated. We're going to have to put a little gas in your stomach. So you might feel a little, you know, agitation in your stomach for a couple of days. And also, some people get it, some people don't, but you might get a pain in your shoulders, which is uh, connected to that gas thing. Um, So just be aware. If it happens, you know, just know that that's a normal reaction and you can get pain medication for that. So that's the only thing I would say. If there was one thing that I would say, it's very happy with the entire procedure and everything around it. And I'm healing fine. And as I said, I'm, I'm confident that the, removing it will have the desired effect to, to positively affect my, my blood pressure. But in the post-op kind of informational thing, if you're a patient, I, and I do this, I don't care. I encourage you because I did it and it helped me quite a bit. Ask any and all questions you have. They are there to serve you. Your doctor there is to serve you. Ask any question, as dumb as it may be, 
if it's on your mind, if it will ease your uh, questions in your mind, if it will, if it will it'll ease your apprehension, if it will help inform you in any way, don't be afraid to ask questions. No question to a doctor is stupid. And if, they, and if your doctor thinks it is, then maybe you don't have the right doctor. Because they need to tell you. And so I asked a lot. I wouldn't even have known about this. What I'm telling you now, if I hadn't asked the nurse and the doctor, what causes it? Why is it happening? And things like that. I wish I would have known beforehand. So all I could say is if you're a doctor, if you're a doctor-to-be or you're a current doctor, I understand you don't want to give away all this, the, every, every aspect of a surgery because it can be pretty intense for people to, to, to absorb. I get it. You know, oh, we're going to have gas. You're going to have a catheter. You're going to have a tube. You're going to have, whoa, holy shit, what's going on here, right? But at the same time, I think there's a way to at least prepare a, uh, a patient for what they may experience afterward. At least give them a heads up. Information is power. Now, I was telling someone else this, and they, and they said to me, well, maybe they don't tell you about this pain that, this, that you might get this shoulder pain because what if, what if you were having a heart attack? What if you really were having a heart attack and yet you were getting this pain in your shoulder and you said, oh, it must be that pain and you didn't really think too much about it and maybe you didn't call the nurse and maybe you just figured, oh, well, it's going to go away and meanwhile, you were having a heart attack. So perhaps they don't tell you about that because they don't want you to just feel too confident that, oh, it's nothing serious. Because what if you were having a heart attack? What if you weren't having the pain associated with your diaphragm and you were having a pain associated with a heart attack? And you would have just said, oh, well, it's that pain they talked about in my shoulder. And you didn't hit the button for the nurse to come. So maybe there's that aspect too. It's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's another side I didn't think of, which does make some sense. But overall, I would just say if I had one takeaway from this, uh, so far, so good, healing well, feeling good, feeling good about the operation, feeling good about its long-term effects. But I would just say overall, I had a very good experience in the hospital and since then. But overall, I would just say on both sides, patient and doctor, a free flow of of, of uh, helpful information to keep both sides aware of, of what's going to happen or what may happen, even if it's delivered in a, a way that can be reassuring, it's, it's better for the patient to have more information than less. That's all I'm saying. So, um, all I can tell you is, I think I made the right decision. I think I made an informed decision. I saw the process through. And all I would say is, uh, if in your this situation, either now or in the future, um, do your best to make an informed decision when it comes to your health. Talk it over with professionals. Get a second opinion. Talk it over with your family. And go into it with a positive uh, outlook 
because all I know is that's the way I went into it, and uh, I'm feeling good. You knew that I would now. So hopefully, my podcasts will be just as entertaining, just as fun, and just as informative as I, I present them now and forever with one adrenal gland as opposed to two. And so ends another episode of Elton Jim's Captain Podtastic. Every Monday, a new episode is posted at WGNRadio.com or wherever you go to find your favorite podcast. We are there. And don't forget to tell your friends, tell your family, tell anybody who listens to a podcast that your favorite podcast is Elton Jim's Captain Podtastic, and it should be theirs too. Your loyalty and devotion is much appreciated. Hope you enjoyed episode number 327. I'm Jim Toronto. I ain't here on business. I'm only here for fun. You've been listening to Elton Jim's Captain Podtastic from the end of the web to your screen with one adrenal gland as opposed to two.